Track. I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about New World from Emancipation. Recorded late uh, January 1994 at Paisley Park and released on the 9th of December 1996 which is about 11 months before the album was released. Um, it was part of a giveaway at Paisley Park. Prince performed a couple of tracks from you know what was starting to turn into Emancipation and you know people kind of turned up at Paisley Park at this gig and you know nine days after the gold experience was released prince was already working on new material and he gave this single away to um, audience members it had slave and new world on and you know uh, both of those songs ended up on emancipation you know like 11 months later um, so this is one of the earliest tracks uh, recorded for this album on the track it is just prince um by himself and joining me to talk about today is Joshua Hollis. Hello, Joshua. Hello. Thanks for having me. As this is your first episode as a guest on Prince Track by Track, uh, as is my tradition, um, I was going to ask, you know, what was your experience of Prince? You know, uh, you know, growing up, could you remember, you know, a, a particular song uh, or an album that was, you know, kind of drew your attention to Prince? Or, you know, maybe there was a specific incident. Maybe you're, you're young enough that the the Super Bowl performance was your first, uh, you know, experience with Prince. Well, I was thinking about that, but uh, because when you asked me to do the show, um, I knew that you were at this point in his career, which was, you know, in the in the sort of early to mid '90s, and I'm very unfamiliar with the output uh, of Prince around this time. Um, I think I, I was born in 1985, uh, so I'm still, I guess, fairly young man. Um, and I do remember a lot of his 80s output. I, I think there were certain songs that you could not escape um, hearing. I, I mean, obviously, 1999 was a huge one. Uh, Little Red Corvette, uh, um, Raspberry Beret, like uh, e even like I, I think... Um, like Darling Nikki was was something that I had heard, even though that's maybe not the most appropriate song for a child. Um, but there were there were those songs that I think were everywhere because they were super huge and it didn't matter um, how old they were. Like I was hearing them even when I was, uh, you know, seven or eight years old in the early 90s. They were still playing those songs like every New Year's Eve. Practically, you would hear uh 1999 play like people you know getting ready to party and then of course in 1999 when when uh new year's eve actually happened that song was of course everywhere so um i i think it was mostly like his earlier kind of warner brothers output that i probably was most uh familiar with my mom liked prince a lot um but i i don't have a really deep knowledge of his stuff like i understand how important he was to music as a whole and i understand how prolific he was but like i guess i don't have a incredibly strong connection to his stuff though i do like it i guess i don't know much beyond sort of surface level things well you know which is understandable because by the time we get to the 90s i would say even most prince fans aren't 100 percent you know uh familiar with most of his output from this time um, you know, when you put out a 36 track, three, eight hour album 
Um, you know, it takes a certain fan to be like, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's something I want to get into. You know, but let's talk about the song. And in terms of a genre, I think it's fairly clear that Prince is kind of going for like a, a dance type element. Um, you know, he's he's got that kind of um, the kind of uh, I don't know. It's like almost like a sample of a heartbeat is like the the kind of the backing for it. Oh, OK. So you bring that up. Is this the song? Because I read something in one of the the articles. Uh, you, you were nice enough to send me some some articles that were written around the time of the release uh, of the album. And one of them mentions that they incorporated a the heartbeat track of their child into one of the songs do you know if that's this song or was that a different song it was an earlier song on the album that, oh, that, okay, used, that okay. used the fetal heartbeat as the as the basis um at this point you know uh, Maite wasn't pregnant until you know um you know early to mid 96 so this was recorded oh, okay. in 94 so it's way before that oh gotcha gotcha but gotcha. Uh, yeah no i think it still is interesting that he chose like you know a kind of um you know a heartbeat dance thing and you know um, thinking of a terrible movie that I once saw, We Are Your Friends, in that there's a whole thing where they try to explain how dance music works and they talk about how the beats per minute sync up with people's heartbeats and that's how, like, you get the crowd. And so ah. it's, so it's just odd that, which of course is complete nonsense. Um, but still, you know, <laughs> I just think it's interesting that Prince was like, you know, use, like, it's a very distinct sound to be kind of have this kind of like, you know, heartbeat as like the main, um, you know, the main hook of this particular song. And yeah. later on in the song, we have like a little kind of like, uh, you know, horn stabs and stuff. And then we get, the, you know, we also get this motif of love for one another, which, you know, later on became um, the title of um, Prince's uh, charity. Uh, which was called Love for One Another, which he, he set up a couple of years after this and which, you know, ran for, um, you know, uh, I think pretty much up until his death. Um, there was also another song called Love for One Another, which was recorded by um, Larry Graham and Graham, uh, Graham Central Station on their album that Prince produced, you know, which was, you know, uh, a, a, a mild success. Uh, I don't think it really revived Larry Graham's career like Prince wanted it to. <laughs> um, but that was around. Larry Graham is the one who got Prince into, you know, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. So um, I oh, think okay. it's, it's interesting that you kind of go from using the phrase love for one another in this track and that becomes a track for somebody else. And then, you know, that person gets Prince into a different religion. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of like an interesting journey. But yeah, I mean, you know, we pr we start with Prince kind of doing you know just kind of starting with the title of the song and i think it's interesting the way he sings the word new world because he'll sing it a few times in the song but it's, sometimes he goes new world and it's like it's like i don't know why he he feels the need to add that many syllables um to what is you know a relatively short title um you know and i think this is in in the song there are some very kind of interesting um you know uh, well, let's say rhymes, you know, he opens up with when the sharpest vibration saves you from obliteration. And it's like, <laughs> I d I d I d I'm not quite sure what the sharpest vibration is, but, you know. Yeah, I think that uh, at least for me and like for what little I know about uh, Prince and what little familiarity I have with his with his music, it definitely seems like he's the, the kind of artist who likes playing with uh the way that words sound and the way that words 
like come out of your mouth almost like i mean you're saying with new world how he sort of stretches those those two single syllable words into this sort of multi-syllabic thing and it feels like in a lot of his music that that i know of it, it seems like he's very interested in in kind of playing with how words sound and how they play off of each other and i mean we get that in that next uh those next two lines of verse one we get bed reacts like an uh and then it rhymes it with airfield sack which is this crazy sort of thing that i wouldn't be able to think of but he he has this really interesting way of like thinking about what words go together and also how to make those words sound interesting and you know the chorus itself i think you know like the, the verses like there are some like nice bits of um uh, you know, word p- play kind of going on. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole thing about you know. How, do you hear about this new pill? It feels like sex. Um, th- th- there's a whole lot of that going on later on in the song, um, and you have this whole thing about you want to find some isolation, but the tracker got you from vaccination, which sounds like one of those kind of like conspiracy theories about how the government are tracking you through vaccinations. Um, yeah, you know. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, so I know which is it feels like it takes a slightly weird turn there. Uh, well, it's. It seems to be explicitly referencing the the Aldous Huxley book Brave New World. I mean, the, you know, the whole part of the chorus is how are we going to make it in this Brave New World? Yeah. And and when the line the lines blur every boy and girl, and and that book is you know this dystopian thing where people are sort of genetically engineered and put into a caste system, and and I I, I mean, obviously seems to be drawing from that. Um, and it obviously seems to be drawing from like this idea of of like a surveillance state. You know, they're always listening, especially on the phone and you'll never walk alone and you have this vaccination tracker and like all of these things where people are always they always have their eyes on you. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like kind of him thinking about like I wonder if it's like him thinking about the whole situation that was going on with him getting out of his like wanting to get out of his record. Uh, recording contract because this was written before he got out of the contract with Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. And not so, yet, but like, when I, he's writing it in '94, there's no like at that point he's still negotiating about how to get out. So you know he's he's agreed well, yeah, to that, release. That's what I'm saying. The, you know, yeah. So like, is it is it him like wanting to get away? But like he has all these eyes on him. He has Warner Brothers like constantly looking at him, wanting him to do things their way. And like you know, I, and this is just me kind of. You know, uh, spitballing things here, but like that's what it sort of struck me as is like this idea that he's always being watched and he can't really do his own thing, which is producing the music his way, releasing it his way. And so I, I don't know. I saw some parallels there, I guess. Yeah, there, there were quite a few. I mean, you know, the most of the songs that talk about his contract were released in. Uh, you know, 95 and on Chaos and Disorder, there's a couple of songs where, you know, it's explicitly about the contract. Um, on this particular album, there are a lot less songs that kind of have that feeling. But because this was from like 94, it does feel a little bit like there is that kind of Warner Brothers contract feel to the song where, you know, Prince is, is kind of deliberately saying one thing, but you're, you're like, well, is he talking about Warner Brothers here? <laughs> like, um, yeah. I, I find it interesting when he says they're always listening because obviously, you know, there have been stories about, um, you know, Paisley Park, basically every room was wired for sound. So... In in Paisley Park, Prince was always listening. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) um, I mean, every room was wired for sound, so Prince could literally plug a guitar in anywhere and just start recording a song if he, you know, if the mood took him. Um, So it wasn't like for surveillance; it was it was for you know so he could be creative. 
but it's still one of those kind of things where, you know, I'm sure when Prince explains it, it's like, yeah, every single room's got microphones in because I need to record stuff. But other people might be like, yeah, that seems a little bit kind of sketchy, Prince. Like, can you not record yeah. us in every room? So, um, you know, Kevin Smith tells a story about how, you know, someone points that out to him and he's like, wait a second, I've been talking shit about Prince in Paisley Park. So has he heard me? And, you know, like he, that kind of like is on his mind for the rest of the time that he's there. Um, but yeah, well, that that kind of plays into uh, one of the other articles that you sent, like around the time where he was letting uh, journalists in and actually doing interviews, which he hadn't done for you know a very long time, and and someone asked him a question about um, what people at Paisley Park call him, and he he said he says something about how. I can't say what they call me or something, but now I'm thinking like, was he listening? He knows exactly what they called him. Like he, he <laughs> yeah. could hear everything. No, no, yeah. But the thing is in Paisley park, like I get, I get the feeling that when Prince was there and he had his full staff, you know, nobody needs to reference him by name. No one needs to say, Hey Prince, because you don't start a conversation with Prince in Paisley park. He's the one who calls you over and he's the one who tells you what he wants to do. So I don't, I don't think it was ever a case of people needed to call him by name. But yeah, the, it is it is quite funny because obviously at this point, you know, he is a symbol and a lot of people kind of came up with different ways of referring to him. I mean, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince is like the most kind of unwieldy way of referring <laughs> yeah, to him yeah. at this time. Um, I do remember that, like going back to my sort of experience with Prince, I do remember the the hubbub that was made when he changed his name to the symbol like that was like a i i wasn't super familiar with his work but like i knew who he was i i you know knew those those few songs and then there was all this news about how he was changing his his name to this weird unpronounceable symbol and what did it mean and like there was all this this crazy speculation so like that definitely sticks in my mind like i i i've seen that symbol and i know it quite well just because of all the the publicity that it got when it happened yeah and and the thing is in a way it kind of you know it, it kind of worked against him because you know whatever he was trying to say about his recording contract kind of got lost in the idea that he's changed his name to a symbol that no one can pronounce um, yeah <laughs> you know but at the same time you know obviously there was a story about how he sent a floppy disk out or should i say Paisley Park sent a floppy disk out to all journalists so that they could put the symbol into any articles. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> like, it's literally just a font set that only has one. I think you had to use like, um, I think it was like uh, Alt Shift P and it would just produce the symbol. And like, uh -huh. that, that, like that, it was just this font that just had that one letter and that was the entire font set. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think this this idea that he's I mean, you know, he still has the Warner Brothers contract on his mind in a lot of songs from like 95 and 96. So it's understandable that, you know, you can kind of see that in this particular song. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the kind of the, 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 the kind of the verse about sex kind of does feel like it's kind of science fictiony where he says, I mean, obviously, post Viagra, this line has a completely different meaning where he says, did you hear about the new pill? It's it feels like sex. Uh, guaranteed to thrill with no ill side effects, um, you know. But I, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, like Prince is not thinking of, you know, he's thinking of a pill in in lieu of sex rather than that in than one that enhances sex. Um, yeah. But I it's still, well, you, you can't help but think of Viagra when he refers to something to do with it, like a pill and sex. Like it's just a natural thing now, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it, and I think that whole that whole verse sort of uh, almost plays into that uh, that Brave New World esque. Um, idea that I was thinking of earlier too. I mean, it, it's all about like 
taking these things to stop sort of our natural progression of life. You know, it's, it stops wrinkles. It stops pain. Um, it, it makes, I, I didn't, I didn't quite get what he was going for with the baby never seeking political gain line, but I, it's an interesting idea. And he's talking about altering biology. Yeah. I guess, I guess maybe like a, a controllable drone, maybe like someone who has no free will, something like that. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's, yeah, it is re- the whole kind of never seek political gain is such a weird phrase where you're like, hold on a second, Prince. Um, but at that point yeah. he's like, you know, who or what then my friend will you and I be? Um, you know, which is, I like, I mean, I love the delivery of that line cause it's like very kind of catchy. Um, yeah. And, and there's, there's a part, there's a part in the, in the bridge as well that that's right after this verse that I, I thought was kind of interesting. And like when we're recording this and, and I, obviously when it comes out, um, we're still in the midst of, of pride month. And I thought that this line was kind of interesting because it, it kind of put me in the headspace of being in the 90s and also even today still, uh, which is kind of sad to think about. But like the very last line of the bridge, uh, it says, when you can't tell him from her, how are you going to fake it? And I to my to me, that kind of conjured this idea of like um, play, obviously, as. Prince did throughout most of his career kind of playing with with gender fluidity and gender norms and kind of breaking that stuff apart where he could be straight or gay, you know, he could be like male or female, like all these things that kind of played together and and that's a big thing now obviously with with LGBTQ people and like finding identity and that line put me in this idea of like a person who is you know, quote, very secure in their sexuality and like identifies as only a straight male, only interested in women. But if they can't, if they find someone attractive and it turns out that that person happens to be a man or happens to be transgender, like, are they, are they supposed to shut off that attraction or is their attraction supposed to go away and like I found that line like really interesting that he's talking about this in '94, and we are still talking about it in 2018. Like there, there's some really, I, I mean, that's you know that's quite a a distance between those two things, and yet it's still a thing that is coming up. And I was like, that's that's kind of interesting. Like some of the stuff he might say is kind of weird, and you're like, okay, that's him in the '90s. But then he says something like that, and you're like, oh yeah, like you would see a guy a a a sort of straight guy get upset because he was attracted to someone who turned out to be a man or who turned out to be transgender and like how is he supposed to fight that like he's supposed to fight that feeling of attraction because it is not quote societally acceptable you know like i don't know i don't know if my mind is going to a weird place but that was definitely like something that stood out to me i was like oh that's a really interesting line yeah, I mean, the chorus does say, you know, when the lines blur every boy and girl. So it's like, you know, and I mean, the line before that, when he says, when the melting pot stirs, how are you going to take it? Prince, obviously, he, he crossed over to a white audience, you know, kind of in the early 80s. And it wasn't really until his, his final kind of, you know, five, ten years that he went back and started to embrace, you know, his black roots a lot more. You know, he he's kind of, you know, embracing black culture a lot more on his first album than he did for kind of most of the 80s. And so I think it's interesting here that he kind of brings up the melting pot and he's like, how are you going to take it? And it's like almost saying, look, you know, I've, I've, I've crossed over and been accepted by a white audience, you know, but really, 
you know, I'm he, you know, Prince wasn't white, and so it's like I, I don't know. I just find I find the idea of Prince, you know, you're you're right talking about, uh, you know, the idea of kind of gender and also the idea of race within a couple of lines in this song that is mostly kind of almost like a science fictiony song. It's just a couple yeah. of kind of very odd lines where you're like, you know, they kind of go past a bit quick, but you're like, I I'm not. Like it kind of does make you think a little bit. Yeah, no, and I think that's kind of a thing. Like, I mean, a lot of science fiction is written on the ideas of like, you know, merging genders, merging races, like this sort of unified single race in the future where everybody has come together and become one thing. And like, and that seems to sort of be where he's going with this song as well. Yeah. And but yeah, it's like you can take that, and and I I think that is sort of what science fiction also does well, which is taking this common sort of everyday thing that we see or things that we think about and then putting it into this weird sort of um, uh, interesting futuristic uh, uh, context, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it does remind me of the Jerry Seinfeld joke where he's like, you know, he's sick of picking his clothes and he's like, when can we reach the Star Trek thing where everyone wears the same clothes every day? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, okay, Lycra jumpsuit, that's it. Everybody, put them on now. This is it. No more picking out clothes we're going to go around the the galaxy we're just going to be representing earth let's all get in the same clothes and just make it clear which race we are exactly um so yeah like this the science fiction idea of everyone ending up the same is you know it's kind of interesting um you know and then you know we get the chorus and then prince finishes with the words new world Uh, my favorite thing in the world is when people finish with the title of the song just so you know where it is prince <laughs> prince opens with the title he finishes with the title so by the time the song finishes you're like yeah new world um and <laughs> i i remember this song as being that um but yeah so i mean i think it's interesting because uh, you know this um this particular you know this side of the album you know you have um slave which is kind of like a dance type song you have the human body which is kind of like a dance song you have face down which is kind of more like a prince's attempt at kind of gangster rap but done in a kind of dance way um, and then you finish the, the this side off with style which is you know also kind of a dance song so i don't know what what happened but for some reason on this particular part of the album prince was just like let's just put let's just put five of the dance songs in one part of the album um and i I have kind of said this before it just did for me listening to it like a few times when i was younger it did kind of make everything sound a bit samey because it's all kind of roughly the same production um Mm -hmm. you know and when going from one song into the next there is a point where you're like 20 minutes in and you're like wait there is this is this still the song that i was listening to five minutes ago like there is a tendency for them to kind of bleed into each other um but i think you know this song is is distinct enough that um, and it's not a long song either it's you know it's barely four minutes um you know and uh, you know but as well as being one of the older songs on the album as well so it has a slightly different production sound to you know the stuff that he was doing in like you know 96 um so yeah. it does kind of make it stand out a little bit um but you know i would say for me i would i would say maybe um i don't think i can go higher than a four out of five um and i i, I think that's just because i'm not a, like i'm not a fan of this this kind of dance thing that prince started doing um, you know, the thing that the thing that obviously, you know, dance songs, you know, need is like a, a kind of rep- repetition and, you know, they're built on, you know, repeated motifs. And, you know, I'm more of a fan of the stuff Prince did when he was doing kind of like rock stuff. Um, you know, there's no guitar on this track. You know, it's just kind of very much, um, you know, all based on kind of samples. And it, it's just kind of like. I don't know. I, it's just it's just not interesting enough that it gets a five out of five from me. That's fair. I think that I would probably I think I would probably 
go with with uh, your your rating as well. I think four out of five is is probably fair for this. I I, I thought that uh, I thought that it was it was interesting sounding. I I liked a lot of the the lyrics and stuff that that popped out at me um, as we discussed. Um, but yeah, I, I, it doesn't quite reach the the levels of stuff that I that I I guess remember or that I am familiar with, and and I think. I think maybe that's uh, I'm doing a disservice to maybe some of the music by thinking of it that way. But like in my mind, I sort of have those those ideas of what a print song is to me. And and so everything that I hear that are that are not those things, I'm kind of measuring it against those. And so when it doesn't quite match that. It's going to always end up being a little bit lower. Um, Prince did plan on using this as a B-side for The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. But Warner Brothers, when they allowed him to release that single, they had a very kind of tight contract. So he could literally release The Most Beautiful Girl in the World and nothing else. So Oh, interesting. I do remember I do remember yeah. that song. I, that song was huge. Uh and because it was it was getting a radio play seemingly all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the thing is, Prince released it as a kind of almost like as a tester to show Warner Brothers he could cope on his own. And Warner Brothers were like, go ahead. We dare you. You know, let's watch you fail. And then obviously it was a number one hit all around the world. And, um, you know, kind of backfired on them a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but yeah, he wanted this as the B-side to Most Beautiful Girl in the World, which I don't understand because this doesn't even seem like it would really thematically match up with that. No, um, not in, at all. In the end, he he basically did a remix of Most Beautiful Girl in the World and called it Beautiful, and that was the B-side. And then he spent, you know, most of 1995 releasing different remixes of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World in an yeah. attempt. Because he was allowed to remix it as many different ways as he wanted. So, um, But I think it would have been interesting, because if this had been the B-side to Most Beautiful Girl in the World, obviously that single was getting a lot of play. I feel like maybe this track would have been a bit more well-known. Yeah, that's possible. You know, as it is, it just kind of sits as like an album track. Unless, of course, you attended the, the gig at Paisley Park where they gave away the single with it on. Um, and obviously, <laughs> I'm guessing for those people, it was, you know, more of a memorable song. So uh, Prince never played it live in the end. Um, you know, it, it's not like it's a song that worked its way into his um, into his set, which I feel is something in common a lot of these kind of dancey songs had. You know, once you've once Prince kind of reassembled the band after Emancipation came out, you know, he mostly concentrated on the songs from the album that had you know the the use of a band. Um, and I can't imagine the drummer just sitting there doing the loop for like four minutes while Prince sang the lyrics <laughs> to New World, being a particularly exciting concert experience. So I can kind of understand why he, you know, he didn't kind of perform it live. To yeah, so I mean, you know, I feel like we've said about as much as anyone's ever going to say about New World. Um, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Josh? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I host a podcast along with my good friend Brian Skinner uh, called PredictoCast, where we find a film that we know nothing about. We watch the first 10 minutes and then we try to predict what happens in the rest of the film. Most of the time we're way off, um, but it's a lot of fun. You can find us on uh, iTunes, um, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at PredictoCast. You can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure where you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Josh. Thank you. And otherwise, new world. Don't think I ain't. Emancipation.